You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds & Klein Appraisal, and your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Talking about real estate. Talking about real estate from an article, Arizona Big Media. The, hi- the headline is, and it's kind of a clickbait headline, and I bought into it probably just like you have on this podcast, but millions of unsellable homes could upend market study predicts. And so you think, oh my gosh, there's millions of homes on the market right now. What happened with the pandemic? Did something go sideways? Did people walk away from their homes that we didn't know about? Because all we hear about is a lack of supply, low interest rates and lack of supply. Is that the case? Where are all of these millions of unsellable homes coming from? Now, if you read the article, so but so here, here's the first thing before I even get into this on real estate stuff, read the whole thing, see if it makes sense, because so many articles are just nonsense. I can't tell you how many articles I read through and go, yep, that's wrong. These people are taking this data, they're skewing it, it's not reality. But it makes for a great headline. And guess what, if it bleeds, it leads. That's no different than in real estate. But in real estate, we just don't have that much exciting stuff. It's like, oh, the interest rates dropped about half a point on whatever, whatever. Fannie Mae's doing this, Freddie Mac's doing this. Oh, the National Association of Realtors, oh, they're doing something. It's just not exciting stuff, right? So you got to kind of conjure up stuff that you can clickbait people in. Otherwise, people won't read your stuff or they won't listen to your podcast if you don't have some good juicy stuff like, oh my gosh, there's millions of vacant homes. How can I get one? And why is this going to happen? So this is an article, Arizona publication. Millions of Americans, millions of American homes could become unsellable. All right, there we go. First line could become unsellable. They're not unsellable. They could become unsellable. Or could be sold at significant losses to their senior citizen owners. That's where I was like, okay, tell me a little bit more. So or could be sold at significant losses to their senior citizen owners between now and 2040. Let's see, we are 2020. Now that's the next 20 years, I will be 71 in 20 years. All right, I'll be a senior citizen for sure. Will I care about this? I don't know. Will any of this matter by then? I don't know. But we're going to talk about it now. So between now and 2020, according to new research from the University of Arizona, so they could become unsellable, or senior citizen owners like me in 20 years could have significant losses to their portfolio. The study predicts that many baby boomers and members of Generation X, that's me, Generation X will struggle to sell their homes as they become empty nesters and singles. The problem is that millions, that's because our spouses die. Uh, That's why. That sucks. It's also part of life. The problem is none of us get out alive. The problem is that millions of millennials and members of Generation Z may not be able to afford those homes, or they may not want them opting for smaller homes in walkable communities instead of distant suburbs. All right, I was hooked at this point because I'm like, okay, yeah, one of the issues I talk about all the time is that the millennial generation because housing has has bumped up so hard in price, and the job market has not been all that great, millennial generation is having a tough time getting a foothold in the housing market. Now they comprise I, I can't forget what percentage of the, the house buying public, it's a big number. But housing is so unaffordable, especially in big cities like Seattle, it's so unaffordable. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to buy that. And I make pretty good money. 
I couldn't afford that. I wouldn't want to afford that. Fifty five percent of my income to to the house just be house poor and mortgage whatever it is. That sucks. That sounds terrible. But that's the reality of today in a big job market. So baby boomers, I always think of baby boomers as my parents, because that's who they are, right? Baby boomers are people born between 1946 and 1964. That also includes my ex wife, because she was born in 1962. Yep, she was a little bit older than me. But that's interesting. So I'm I'm on the young end. I'm born in 68. And, and while Generation Xers were born between 1965 and 1980, Millennials were born between 1981 and 1997. It's both my kids, Millennials, and Generation Zers between 1998 and 2015. So what about after 2015? What are they? Do we have a do we have a tagline, Nikki? For don't know. We don't know. They're just they haven't been identified yet. So because they're so young, nobody cares. The study predicts that the change in home buying behaviors for younger generations may result in a glut of homes that could grow as high as 15 million by 2040, with homeowners selling for far below what they paid, if they can sell them at all. Most seniors will be able to sell their homes, the study says, but it may become especially difficult in smaller, distant and slow or non growing markets. That is interesting. Why is that? Because people don't want to live there anymore. In they're, what they're saying is predictions are they don't want to live there. They don't want to live out in far out community. They want want to live closer to the action where you have walkable communities. I'm not sure if I totally buy that, but I get what they're saying. All of the denser, higher density urban stuff. You're going to these little boxy homes or all these massive condos because people want to be close to downtown. I get that. But I think a certain segment of the population still and a lot of millennials I know I spoke with one yesterday was like, yeah, I just want my own backyard for my little kid and my dog. Can't get that in a condo. It's just not the same. Can't have your dog run around the back with the kid, you know, licking the dog and all that that good little kid stuff just doesn't happen. Uh, Arthur C. Nelson, a professor of urban planning and real estate development at the University of Arizona College of Architecture, Planning and Landscape Architecture, calls his prediction, the great senior short sale. I thought that was interesting. All right, that's a good title for a paper, because that kind of sums it all up, right? They're, they're all going to go short on their homes because uh, we're not going long, going short. In a paper published this week in the Journal of Comparative Urban Land and Policy. That sounds like an just a really exciting journal, Journal of Comparative Urban Land and Policy. Oh, sounds like one of my appraisal journals. Dreadful. An expert in urban studies, public policy and land development, Nelson has spent a large part of his career studying the changing demand for suburban homes since long before the housing market crash of the Great Recession. We need guys like this because guys like me just don't have the patience to actually study it and understand what's going on. I'm just going to cherry pick his information and then spew it back to you guys. Is that fair? Based on what I think. All right. His newest prediction, if it plays out, would undermine one of the biggest promises of home ownership for millions of seniors, Nelson said. And that's a home after it's paid off can be sold for a retirement nest egg. Now, that's one of the cruxes of this argument is that Americans believe that if you pay off your home, you're just going to have a buttload of money when you retire. 
Not that you're going to be able to use it because you won't remember your own name. You're not really working. You're just kind of doing less and less. You need you require less and less money. You can't really spend it. You can't go on crazy great vacations because all that kind of gets in that. That's in the rearview mirror. And so to have this big nest egg, I think I say sell your home early, figure out some small little place and enjoy your money. That's kind of my thought because to have all this money when you're in your, say, 80s and 90s, if you make it to 90, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe you want to give a bunch of money to your kids, grandkids, so you can enjoy it. You can remember their names, know who they are and say, little Johnny, here's 100 grand if you've got it. Maybe you're still just butt broke. Who knows? Little Johnny, here's 100 grand. Don't spend it foolishly. Um, don't buy a motorcycle. Don't kill yourself. But Grandpa Sean says here, enjoy because when you're old, you can't really enjoy your money. And what's the point of passing on a bunch of money if you can't really enjoy it? Never really understood that one. But that's just me. Um, so what if you pay off your mortgage over 30 years, he said, and nobody buys the home. So you've got this home with all this equity in it, supposedly, right? A home with all this equity in it, and you can't sell it. That's what this is all about. Because maybe you're in an area where people, it's no longer to, to, to desirable to buy homes. I think you're seeing what's happening like with New York right now. There are what, 14,000 apartments that are empty. There's been a mass exodus due to a big, big deal. And that's the coronavirus. People are like, I don't really want to live this close to my neighbors. Got this massive pandemic going on. We're out of here. We are done. So people who can leave are leaving Manhattan right now, 14,000 empty apartments. That's a crazy big number that impacts housing substantially. I think you're going to see some drops in rent. I think you're going to see some drops in condo prices and co-ops. I would have to say yes. But then again, I don't know the New York market, so I could just be completely talking out my rear end and I wouldn't really know. But I haven't seen any major stories like that. What, From what I'm understanding is the apartment uh, units that are vacant, those are basically in higher density apartment projects, big projects. Um, but as I, as usual, as I come across more information, I will share it with you here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. All right. So Nelson's prediction comes from synthesizing data from sources such as the, such as the U.S. Census Bureau, Bureau and the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. The Harvard Center is a leading source of data for those in academia, government, and business to make sure of housing issues to inform policy decisions. Nelson, using that data, mapped out how the age of homeowners would change between 2018 and 2038, looking at three age groups, over 65, 35 to 64, and under 35. He came to the projection at the center of the study that there may be fewer homeowners under 65 in 2038 than there were in 2018, even though the vast majority of people over 65 in 2038 will own their homes. That's the mismatch. If those over 65 unload their homes and those under 65 aren't buying them, what happens to those homes? Discounts. Some of them sit. Some of them get passed on to family members. They inherit homes that they don't want. They sell them at a massive discount. See where I'm going here? Yeah, that, that, those, numbers, those numbers to me make sense. Nelson is careful not to overstate his findings. Millions of people will buy the homes that older generations are selling, he said. And that's because we are touching on 
a segment of the housing market that isn't altogether all that popular anyway. Homes in smaller communities where people don't want to live. So here's the bottom line. If you location, 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 right? Timing, timing, timing. I think market timing has more to do with it than location anymore. That's just I think we're just recognizing that is timing in and out of the market. That's critical. You buy at uh, the beginning of a cycle going up, you sell at the peak, buy on the other drop. We just haven't had many big cycles uh, in the last whatever years. We had the Great Recession, but that was something kind of just a big, long, wild ride. So buy in the best neighborhood you can. And I think long term population and employment centers are going to dictate. All right, these homes are going to go up. So you're talking about a pretty small you know, maybe it's 14 million homes, but or whatever that number is at the beginning, but across the population of the United States, which is what, 330 million, 360 million, it's a pretty small percentage, not not insignificant, but it's it's decent. But if you're in a big city like Seattle, and you have a house now, 20 years from now, what do you think that's going to be worth? More, more is my prediction. How's that for a really bold, smart prediction? More, it's gonna be worth more. The vast supply is so large and demand for them is going to be so small in comparison that there's going to be a real problem starting later this decade. All right. Nelson said he expects the phenomena to reveal itself, but not all at once, but gradually over the next couple of decades at about 500,000 to 1 million homes every year. And it's not likely to have much impact on growing metropolitan areas, like I just said, such as Phoenix or Dallas, Well, growth was will solve all kinds of problems, he said, but it will matter in thousands of suburban and rural areas, including some parts of Arizona, where you just don't have that great a population growth. Maybe it goes the other way. Maybe those are areas where the baby boomers are have a significant number of people retiring. Okay, those people start to die off. People don't really want to live there because maybe it's not a cool area anymore. Maybe it's not as close to unemployment anymore. For whatever reason, those are the areas we're talking about where it's no longer desirable for the younger generations to be buying housing. That's what we're talking about. Uh, the people who own these homes now in thousands of declining communities may simply have to walk away from them, he said. I don't think you're going to see them walk away from them, but they will be less desirable and people are their nest egg is going to be less. You're just not you're not going to make as much money. So this massive idea of having a huge nest egg that is going to be limited to people who buy in these market areas that are close in that I bought my house for 50 grand and now it's worth 2 million. Those are the big header numbers, right? Grandma bought her condo in downtown Seattle back in 19, you know, whatever. And now it's worth $3 million. And I'm just totally making that up. But those are the numbers that we're used so used to consistently hearing. And that this story is saying, no, think it through. That's not always going to be the case, especially for these types of neighborhoods. So proposed policy solutions. We need to have some policy to address this, don't we? No, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Because we could just let her rip and uh, see where it goes. That's kind of how I always am is, well, let's just let her rip, see where this goes, deal with it later, deal with it on the fly. Because in reality, that's how most situations get dealt with anyway, isn't it? We put in this big policy and then things go different than the policy is directed towards and it's a mess and you just wasted a bunch of time. When instead, you could just say, well, let's see how this works out, deal with it then. Nelson's study urges action from lawmakers and he offers some ideas of his own. 
Among those is a program in which the federal government would buy back homes that have or may become unsellable. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, already does this, something similar with homes that have or been or likely to be damaged by natural disasters. By bearing the cost of buying those homes, Nelson said the government could help seniors avoid turning to federal social support programs after losing their homes. This is a stretch. This, this, this is a stretch, I believe, in taking this one hypothesis and just down the road. Okay, now we got to have the government buying back these homes. I don't know. Let's see if this actually happens. And you know what, if I'm still podcasting in 20 years, somebody shake me and tell me to stop because that would be silly. But who knows? I have no idea. Those programs are costly to taxpayers and the cost is even greater when programs need to be administered in rural or suburban areas because you don't have the tax base to pay for them. That's the bottom line, right? Where homes are predicted not to sell, Nelson said. If you have millions of seniors spread all across the landscape costing a fortune to serve, we might be better off finding ways to induce many to sell their homes, he said. And we could actually then save potentially billions in public money that would otherwise be used to serve people in very distant and remove locations. Nelson also, I think instead of remove, it should have been remote. But all right. I am not an editor. I am just a guy who babbles real estate. By sharing homes, Nelson said, uh, oh, also, Nelson also proposes programs at the state level that would allow younger people to live with oldie, older empty nesters. Yep, because grandkids always want to live with their grandparents, right? Oh, just dying to do that. Oh, can I go live with grandma? Said nobody ever. Um, allow younger people to live with older empty nesters, single people, and others who live in homes larger than they may need, but who do not want to move. I think that is a valid point. So you move some people in with other people. But we're talking about neighborhoods where they're already pretty affordable, right? Because they're not that far, they're, they're far out. And we're talking about areas that are already not desirable. And in those areas, an apartment for a younger couple is going to be affordable. I, I think those are the dynamics we're talking about. So this solution to me doesn't really seem viable. This solution seems viable. And this is what is happening right now with millennials. They're living with people until they can get enough money together to get their own place to afford their own apartment, afford their own first home, afford their own first condo, whatever it is, their own micro home, whatever. Maybe you're doing van life, Maybe you're living on a boat. Maybe you're living on a yacht. You just don't know. Anything could happen. So by sharing homes, Nelson said, other people would not have to sell them and younger housemates could act as caregivers and property managers. I think you are seeing that already in the urban markets. You're seeing older people taken care of by younger people because younger people need that leg up of, all right, we can't quite afford what we need to, but we're working hard. Our careers are developing. We need just a little bit more time to get there. You live with your parents. No issues there. I didn't really want to live with my parents any more than I had to. I still don't. My kids, eh, I think they'd be okay living with me because I'm kind of a more of a non-traditional parent. But um, I also don't have a ton of rules. And the rules I do have are sometimes probably not the greatest. But that's a whole nother story. The idea is already being tested in cities such as Minneapolis and Seattle and across the state of Oregon, Nelson said. 
There, laws were passed last year that allowed owners of single-family homes to divide them into multiple units. That's because we have a housing supply problem, and you're talking about urban land dynamics and urban land development. And like places like City of Seattle, they're doing whatever we can to get more accessory dwelling units into the uh, into the downtown core. Because man, we've got a massive supply issue, and those areas are always going to be super expensive. Unless you completely abolish the police, and then all bets are off. Don't know what's going to happen then. Nelson completed his study just before the coronavirus outbreak became widespread. But the pandemic, he said, doesn't make the housing issue any less urgent. Totally agreed. You've got some issues with that with housing supply with millennials being able to afford housing. And with the way that housing uh, costs have skyrocketed, can't avoid those pandemic or not. Those aren't real issues out there. That's why I'm reading you this article. We're going to wake up in 2025, give or take a few years to realize that millions of seniors can't get out of their homes, and that it's going to get worse into the 2030s, he said. We must start doing things right now to reduce the coming shock of too many seniors trying to sell their homes to too few younger buyers. That's interesting. And I hadn't really thought of that. I remember my dad telling me at some point in time, there was some population shift between the baby boomers and Generation X. I'm so happy I'm born in 1968 because I got to be called a Generation X. And the reason I think Generation X is a cool name, baby boomers, that's just... That's a silly name. Don't want to be associated with them. That's my parents. But Generation X, that was a band with Billy Idol as its lead singer. How much cooler can you get than Billy Idol? Have you seen Billy Idol lately? He's like 60 something years. He's still pretty cut. He's pretty jacked, still has the white blonde hair. And he is still a punk rocker in his 60s and going strong. I saw him, I am guessing three years ago, four years ago. And that guy could still rock and he still sounds great. So Billy Idol, you keep doing you. And I'm still proud to be Generation X because it's just a cool name. So that is all I have. And as we have see more trends with senior citizens not being able to sell their homes, I will try and remember that I did this podcast in August of 2020 and give you updates as they come up. Don't know if this will really happen, but the dynamics are sure there. And in some markets, I think you will see some of these things take place. And as we see them, and as we identify them, I will bring them to you to your attention here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. That's all I got on this one. Again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal, and your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Love to have you subscribe to the channel. Love to have you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you so much. Um, because without listeners tuning in, I just kind of think that I'm sitting here talking to a microphone to myself, paying my guys a bunch of money to edit this stuff and that nobody listens to it or watches it. That's disappointing. But I know it's not the case. But sometimes it feels that way. So if you subscribe, I see that and go, Oh, there's one more person that thinks I actually have something intelligent to say I might not but there's a chance I do. So thanks again for tuning in. I'm out of here. Catch you in the next one. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.